session nine of LTD, learn to discern. Um, we are doing this class as a part of a big picture thing. Uh, um, we have other classes planned for the next uh, year or so. And uh, the next one is on Wednesday nights, starting in December. We're doing a, a class called Awesome God. And we're really looking at how scientific discoveries in the last 20 years not only prove the existence of God, but the awesomeness of God. True science actually proves the awesomeness of God. Um, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, and you'll see facts, real facts about that on Wednesday nights for the winter. Uh, after that, we're going to end up doing another class uh, in the auditorium next year uh, called The Holy Life. And before we get to the holy life, how we live a holy life, we actually have to spend this time thinking about discernment, spiritual discernment, so we ha even have a a frame of reference, if we have any bearing, any footing, to be able to talk about the holy life. So uh, this is kind of a part of a bigger thing. Um, and a part of my role, uh, as I was saying a little bit ago, as an evangelist is to equip the body um, in every way, uh, part of help with the training that Jesus uh, is trying to do uh, with us every day. And uh, so, um, this is what Learn to Discern is about. Uh, I can't really resolve all of these issues for you. Uh, I don't want to. Um, but I do want there to be some awareness, and I want you to go to the Word of God over and over and over to figure some things out. Um, there are some tools, and, I, and I've referred to them in terms of the nine things that uh, are connected to LTD, the key learnings. Uh, one of the things we need to do today, uh, we need to talk about two things. Uh, one of them has to do with um, being aware of our own sinfulness. Uh, this is not a popular thing. You go around, you poll people, would you like to talk about your specific sins? <laughs> Your specific sinning pattern, would you like? No, most people don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but in order to have spiritual discernment, to get it, you actually have to start getting some understanding of your own thinking, of the temptations, of the patterns, uh, you know, of some of your character uh, challenges or whatever it is. You, you, you and I all need help. We need help with this. And the Word of God uh, will help us with it. It'll bring a certain awareness. Um, now, that's one set of things we're going to talk about today. The other set of things, uh, this is a tool. The tool is something Jesus said. The tool for discerning what is right and wrong is right here in Matthew 12, 30. Matthew 12, 30. You can discern a lot using Matthew 12, 30. This is why we end up spending almost three Sundays 
talking about the God-haters, also known as the God-killers. Because of the influence they have had over the last 300 years on modern thinking, even our thinking, every time somebody talks about the meaning of words, about semantics, about opinion, about uh, perception, about uh, things that sound uh, very intelligent, they actually are a part of that whole process uh, of deception, of undermining uh, the truth, the absolute truth that God is speaking to us. So we have to be very, very careful. We have been educated, almost all of us, into some things that are not anchored in the Word of God, and we don't know it. I, I don't mean to scare you, but that's just reality. That's reality. Um, the, uh, the thing that Jesus says is, whoever is not with me is against me. I want to read this one more time. Whoever is not with me is against me. Now the implications of this are massive. Massive. And it goes straight to why we spent three weeks talking about five people who had caused a lot of problems. They and thousands and thousands of other people caused a lot of problems because they didn't want God in the picture. And we see proof in history and historical documents in their own writings. We see proof of this in hundreds and hundreds of people who have influenced our education system in the West that they didn't want God in the picture. Which means that, and some of them wrote about this directly, <laughs> they, they knew about Jesus. All of these characters I talked about knew about Jesus. But they were not with him. They were not standing with him in any way. They did not believe what he was saying in any way. So why would you stand with them. Why? Why? This is a pivotal tool for you. Those, anyone who does not, who is not with me, is against me. If somebody has nothing to do with Christ, they don't want God in the picture, they don't think Jesus even existed, you need to be careful you need to be careful because they, even unknowingly, are against him. A lot of people, they, they're, they're living talking points. They have no idea why they believe what they believe. No idea. Nobody's ever challenged them. And they're walking around, and Jesus is trying to make this clear. Anybody who is not with me is against me. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, don't want to be in the company of bad company, <laughs> corrupts morals. We don't want to be in the company of people who are against Christ because we are for Christ. We are following Christ. Our life is Christ. You have to be very, very careful, and especially in terms of what you accept in terms of logic. 
<laughs> different reasoning people have, if their reasoning, their logical framework seems like it doesn't have God in it anywhere, and they don't care about Jesus one iota, red flags should be going off in your brain everywhere. 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 And if you don't understand what I'm saying, please ask me afterwards, because I want you to be clear about this. Anybody who is not with Jesus is against him. And I mean against him. So Jesus comes to save the world, and there are a bunch of people that you may be standing with in various ways, or have in the past, you cannot stand with them any longer. Because they are totally against Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, who Jesus is. You cannot stand with them. Now, you can know them, you can reach out to them some way if you want to, but you cannot stand with them. You cannot accept what they're saying outright. Uh, you can't, and, and not have danger to yourself spiritually. Um, so, I hope that you are clear about this. I, I don't want to spend more than you know, the eight minutes I have on this one verse, but it is a tool. It is a tool. Uh, please remember this. If somebody is not with Jesus, they are against him. An enemy. An enemy of Jesus. They are anti-Jesus. They are against him. And he is in the process of saving us and saving the world. Uh, okay. A fellow named John Mason says, No one is more deceived or cheated than a selfish person. No one is more deceived or cheated than a selfish person. Uh, the first slide I put up there has to do with maturing. Remember that Hebrews passage? Okay. Uh, we'll come back. Maturing. The people who, in this time period, in the first century, the people who were paying attention to Jesus were looking at his uh, reverent submission, his attitude of submission to the Father. And they were, by constant use, training themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, up until LTD, I'm not sure how much you're challenging yourself or somebody else was challenging you about what is good and what is evil. What is good, what is evil? This is how these first Christians matured. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't mature without doing this constantly. So if you and I are just taking in all this information, massive amount of information every day, and we're not sorting through it constantly, to say, you know, when the kids were little, I actually, they're watching TV, I would actually say, that is good. That's bad. That's good. That's bad. I drove them crazy. I said, Dad, please. And I turned the commercials off. I muted the commercials. They had no idea what the commercials say. It's like, no, it's a, it's a, it's a test. You, you have got to be able to, to discern between good and evil, clearly. And if you can't do it, if you've never tested yourself, you're in trouble because you can't mature spiritually until you know this. 
And it takes constant doing this to actually mature spiritually. And if you think, oh, it just all kind of mushes together, it's okay, you know. That's, that's not, you're not going to mature spiritually. It's just not going to happen. So, um, Galatians 5, I know it's your favorite passage, right? <clears throat> Galatians 5. Uh, look at 19. This is the great thing about the Word of God. The Word of God is clear. It's clear. You know, you know how much help uh, you have to get from people at seminaries and theologians of various kinds to, to not get the clarity of the Word of God? You need a lot of help to not get the clarity of the Word of God. Um, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, where you get totally fixated on things, things, like you're in love with your cell phone. You can't put your cell phone down. You can't wait to push the next app. Don't let your cell phone become an idol, okay? Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. There is jealousy in the church sometimes. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, people stirring up trouble, division. These things are sinful according to the apostles. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Some of these sins, you're like, well, that sounds worse than that. No, no, they, they, they're all sin. That's a, a sin. Quarreling. You get into a big, heated discussion. You get all upset with somebody. It's sin. You're, you're, you're trying to kind of upset the cart at church. It's sin. <laughs> just, like, just like drinking yourself silly and you can't stand up. It's sin. Don't be thinking these, oh, it's a different grade of sin. No, it's sinful behavior. And uh, what's, what's the, where does this come from? What's the deal with this? He says, um, he's, he's contrasting this. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul's very clear about this, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you have a problem with envy or selfishness or quarreling or hostility or anger or, man, you're in there with all these other folks. You, you better pay attention. You better pay attention. Uh, this, this is the delineation of who gets into the kingdom of God. Um, now, the whole point of this fifth chapter of Galatians in this letter is he's saying uh, back before that uh, 16 he says so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves interesting interesting let the Holy Spirit guide your life and then you won't be doing the things that your sinful nature craves that's about as clear as you can get now this is NLT, sometimes other versions aren't quite this clear. It's very clear. 
The Holy Spirit, when, when did you get the Holy Spirit? When you were baptized, right? Yeah, when you were baptized. When you were buried with Christ, he saw that you were serious about submitting to the sovereignty of God. And so his righteousness becomes yours. He forgives you. And according to Paul, your sins are washed away. You're cleansed. According to John, you're cleansed. And now that your heart is cleansed, the Holy Spirit of God can come to reside. Not before. Not before. God cannot reside in a place that has not been cleansed, is not holy. So Jesus leads us into the Holy of Holies. You and I, when we're baptized into Christ, we're united with him. And when this new life, this new life is the holiness of God. And our new life is supposed to be dominated by the Holy Spirit of God. This is not taught enough. We're going to be studying that for too long. But you and I need to pay attention because it's the sovereignty of God. It's, it's the reverent submission that Jesus was showing us in his own life on earth. That's how we become mature sons and daughters of God. That's how it happens. And um, so, as I was saying, the word of God is great because it tells you not only the good thing, it tells you the bad thing. It tells you the contrast. This is what Galatians 5 does. This is what all these other passages up here do. They, God is being as explicit as possible. Isn't this great for human beings? Do you, do you know how much human beings need clarity? You and I need God to be as explicit about things as possible. To really have any understanding. You go, oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. No, you have to pay attention. And then you realize, oh, okay. Okay, here's the good stuff that comes through the Holy Spirit of God. All the good stuff pours into the heart. Through the Holy Spirit of God. That's in this passage. And it's meant to push out. Our, our dependency on God's spirit is meant to push out all of this old, sinful way of thinking. It's meant to push it out so that the holiness of God can take hold, so that you and I can actually become holy as he is holy. That's the process. That is the process that's talked about in the New Testament. And we're New Testament Christians, so this is, this is how it works. The Holy Spirit produces uh, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, like we see in Jesus. Joy, like we see in Jesus. Peace, just like Jesus said. And he had, all the way to the end. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, loyalty, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. And the other stuff goes and yet, what ends up happening with us sometimes is we're a little bit mixed. We get some of the good stuff, and then a few of the bad things get in there. It's like, ugh, okay. But who do you belong to? Yeah, you belong to Christ. Who is sovereign in your life? And you wake up every morning talking to the one who is sovereign. He's the one who is sovereign in your life. 
and he's working in you through his Holy Spirit. So you and I just we try to cooperate as much as we can. As much as we can, we get more and more awareness, we mature, we actually get more discernment, and it helps us, it helps us to rely on God more fully, operationally, every day uh, in his spirit. Um, okay, so take a look then at the next passage, Colossians 3. Colossians 3. This is... Uh, this was Ian, Ian's favorite chapter and my favorite chapter still. And he, uh, he's saying something similar here. He is saying, um, right there in, in the first uh, paragraph, we're going into to verse 5. He says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Does that sound like you're supposed to just let everything mush together? Just let all the bad and the good stuff in your mind just mush together? No. No. Put to death. Put to death the sinful things. The earthly things that are lurking. That means you've got to do something. That means you, you've got to actually do what Paul was saying in, in Romans 12. You've got to hate that which is evil. You've got to hate it. You've got to know it's destructive. Every time you and I get deceived into doing something, we get tempted and we get sucked into something, it hurts us. It may hurt somebody else, but it harms us spiritually. And you think, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know? You take a few more hits like that, and the next thing you know, your heart is getting hardened. And you almost don't care. That's a problem, man. That's a problem. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. You know what? This might mean you have to turn off some music. I am so sorry. You might actually have to turn off certain songs. Because it, I'm telling you, I hear stuff on people's radios sitting next to me at the traffic light. And I'm like, man, does your mother know about that? <laughs> the whole song is just cussing. It's all, and it's all about sexual stuff. The whole thing is about sexual immorality. You're going to listen to sexually immoral songs all day long and think that your mind is going to be clear? It's going to be clean? It's going to be ready for God to use? Come on, man. doesn't work that way. Sorry. Sorry. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Do you know the stuff that's on TV right now? When I was growing up, it would have been considered all, at least soft porn. Everything, even the cartoons. The cartoons. The cartoons are insane and sexually immoral. They're godless. What's the deal with that? I thought, oh, it's just harmful. It's, it's, it's just harmless. It's a harmless little... No. I watch grandkids stuff, and I'm like, all of this is incorrect. All of what you're watching is false. You know, there's a lot of stuff about divination, about sorcery, about all of that. That's sin. According to the apostles, sorcery is sin. Sorry, people. 
all you little lovers of movies. Sorry. You have got to get some discernment because the world is full of nonsense. Full of stuff that seems okay. It's packaged really well. Nice package. Yeah. But it's sin. Yeah. Yes. Advertising, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The visual thing. Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, now I know some people who are, you know, uh, older generation people watching stuff on TV that I'm like, okay, you wouldn't have watched that back in the 50s, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, it's, everything is just, it's, it's downgraded. Everything's downgraded. And if you don't think so, uh, everything's kind of dumbed down, too. I, I there's a whole set of things that have happened in the last 40 years or so that are very, very dangerous uh, for our nation spiritually, uh, spiritually for us, uh, dangerous. Um, and uh, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, it's all right. Well, you know. <laughs> um, if you are not uh, uh, with Jesus, you are against him. And, um, and a lot of this stuff that uh, we're getting used to and our kids and their friends and everybody else getting used to, uh, has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with his character, nothing to do with his purpose for your life, nothing to do with his plan. Uh, so it's, it is problematic. Um, the, um, the, the, uh, the rest of that passage real quickly says, have nothing to do with these things. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Yeah, uh, worshiping the things of this world. Uh, you and I can say all day long, okay, uh, that you know, we we want to simplify, but we we have a problem with that. Uh, we kind of we get things and we want to get things, um, and then we put too much value on those things, spend too much time. Uh, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. He's going to talk about greediness, which is the opposite of generosity, by the way. Generosity is the character of God. Greediness is what goes on in the world all the time. Uh, think about yourself first. You're, you're number one. You get what you want. Make sure you get what you want. Make sure you get what you want. And incorrect. You seek the kingdom of God first. And he will take care of you. You let God be sovereign, who he is. That's reality. And he will take care of you. That's the truth. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, 
Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Have you stripped it off? Have you stripped it off? All of those evil deeds, all of that sinful pattern you had before? You're a new creation, man. Put to death. Strip all that off. Get rid of it. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, a barbarian, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. All those who are in Christ. That's who he's talking to uh, in the Colossians, uh, the Christians in Colossae. They're all in Christ. And Christ is in them. Uh, it, he is supposed to be dominating us. His character, his thinking is supposed to be dominating us through his spirit. And Paul actually calls it the, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of grace. Um, so, okay, you get the idea, right? First <laughs> um, Timothy 6 is an interesting passage. James uh, chapter 1 is an interesting passage. Uh, we don't have time for all of these. Let's just kind of finish out in James 1, I guess. Um, James 1... But again, these are, these are all challenging passages. And, and the, the slide before this was of other challenging passages. So, if I can read this. James 1.19, he's explaining how these things work. Um, something very, very practical. Um, let me just start before that because this is also about discernment. Um, I guess uh, verse 18. So don't be misled. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Don't be thinking that human beings who hate God are going to give you something good. Don't be thinking that. They hate God, and they're going to give you something good? Yeah, right. Right. Impossible. Impossible. Uh, the good things come down from the Father, who, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts, uh, uh, casts a shifting shadow. He, he uh, chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. Think about that. And then understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, which we don't want to be. Slow to speak, which we don't want to be. Slow to get angry, which sometimes we don't want to be. All of these things help us. They're practical. They help us. Uh, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. There it is. That's the third time he's saying get rid of it. Get rid of the bad stuff. You have to look around your house. That is your heart, your, your mind. You've got to do house cleaning. 
You might not like to do house cleaning, but you have got to clean out your mind. You've got to clean out your heart. You've got to stay on top of this. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God uh, as he has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But you've got to get the other stuff out. You want the word of God to save you, to change you into the likeness of Jesus. You've got to get the other stuff out. So be pushing it out. You've got to expend some energy getting rid of the bad stuff. You've got to get clear on some things in terms of your loyalty to Jesus. You are totally with him in all things. And you humbly accept what the word says, even when at that little moment it might make you cringe. You might have a little tiny tinge of rebellion. You accept the word that is planted in you. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are deceiving yourselves. And we're back to that again, how deception works. It is possible for you and I to learn a bunch of Bible verses, a bunch of Bible knowledge, and go in and out of these doors and still not get totally honest with the God who is sustaining us every day. And I'm telling you, the holy life is about that. The holy life is about getting in sync with God in the morning just like Jesus did. You lay it out there. You put it out there. You get honest with God. You tell him the stuff that is riding on you, the stuff that's messing you up. You tell him. You tell him. You confess your sins. You let him know. And then you will actually get released from it. You put it out in the light. You put it out in the light. Put it out in the light. You've got to get rid of it. You put it out in the light. And he will strengthen you. You actually do what the word is saying. And you'll stop deceiving yourselves. The word of God is the only thing that can save us. We hear it. And then we do it. And then we do it. We do it over and over and over. Until all of the bad stuff. Or a lot of the bad stuff. Goes out the door. Okay? And God knows we're trying. He knows we're trying. You and I need to get honest with God. The discernment thing we're talking about is almost the only way to get there. You have to be able to say, this is good and this is evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for teaching us, for instructing us. Father, help us to be humble enough in heart uh, to fully accept your truth, uh, to apply it uh, every day in such a way that we do become more like your son in our thinking, in our behavior, in all of our patterns, Father, bringing more glory to you. Thank you that we get to do this together. Uh, help us to uh, encourage each other, to lift each other up uh, in this process. Uh, and uh, that, uh, Father, just um, help us to have a closer walk with you each day. And I pray this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen.